Welcome to the Middle Management Podcast, sponsored by Aptitude Management, an Australian-based corporate training organisation. During this podcast, we discuss everything to do with leading and managing others, from new and seasoned supervisors, frontline management to mid-level leadership. We've got you covered. Your host for today is Colin Dubb. Welcome to episode three of the Middle Management Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Dubb. I've got an interesting lineup. Today, we are going to talk about something that comes up a lot in our workshops, both the workshops that I run myself, as well as the trainers that we have working for Aptitude Management. And the real question that comes up on a regular basis is how do I manage difficult employees? How do I manage employees that continue to undermine my authority? And that's a very challenging one because as a manager, you're doing your role. You've got a lot of different responsibilities. You've got, as a mid-level leader, you've got responsibilities to upper management in the organization, as well as having responsibilities to the people below you and the bigger picture and so forth. So you have all these different things that you are in charge of dealing with. And the last thing that you want to have employees who you know deep down that you're trying to do the right thing for undermine your authority. That is extremely challenging. So what I would like to do today is cover examples of difficult employees. So what that might look like. So you as a manager can recognize, okay, I've got an employee here. I'm working with this employee. I'm trying to manage them effectively and hold on a second. Am I getting a little bit of disrespect here? So we're going to try and have a look at some of the reasons and some of what I would call the examples of what difficult employees look like. Also the costs of negative employee behavior, both to the employee themselves, as well as the organization, which is important as a manager, you have a responsibility to the organization to continually enhance organizational capability. There is a cost. There's a bigger cost to, to negative employees, to employees that are difficult to deal with and difficult to handle. So we're going to have a look at what the cost might be, which would hopefully motivate you to want to try and figure out how to deal and manage these difficult team members. We've got a really good lineup and I'm really excited to be bringing you this podcast today on a very important topic and let's get into it. Okay, so examples of difficult employees. I've actually got six here for you. These are things that you may already notice in your role as a manager, or if you haven't noticed them, they may come up and then you can say to yourself, all right, this is something that I need to start working on straight away. Number one, I would say is employees that are consistently late. Okay. This type of employee seems to have a valid excuse each time they are late. However, this problem should be addressed as early as possible. It could lead to employees dissipating office regulations causing those who already follow the rules in regards to turning up to work on time to also start to become a little, I would say, flexible on their ability to turn up to the workplace on time. So if you have employees that are consistently late, this should be addressed right from the beginning. Otherwise, it becomes an ongoing challenge. And as I said, it can spread to other employees. Maybe the term would be wildfire. There are also employees that are difficult, number two, resentful. And this can happen because employees might've been passed over for promotion, or maybe they think that they should have had the role that you currently have as a manager. Maybe they think that they would have been a better manager. Perhaps they don't like the way that you manage. And so they are disgruntled, possibly jealous of you. You need to be able to recognize this resentful behavior. It can somewhat come across as rather passive aggressive as opposed to direct. What you'll find with the resentful employee is this person seems to find ways to undermine your authority perhaps even doing things like spreading gossip 
or rumors. So that's definitely something that will need to be addressed. And there are ways that you can address resentful employees. We will have podcasts specifically on dealing with resentful employees, but to give you a little bit of food for thought now, this type of employee, it needs to be, they need to be taken through a meeting and actually brought to the table. Okay. I see that you have an issue. I feel that you may be resentful towards me or towards something in the organization. And we need to talk about it because it's something that needs to be worked out. Number three is distracted. So look, we all have busy lives, whether we're employees or whether we're managers, what we've got to be able to do is mix in our personal lives with our professional lives. And we've got to try and make sure that the one doesn't overlap too much with the other, but you can find that if employees are distracted and constantly making mistakes, there may have been an employee who presented themselves well in the past, but currently things are not going so well. And again, as a good manager, it would be unwise to ignore or oversympathize in this type of case. This employee can only get the help they need if the issue is actually addressed. And again, in our future podcasts, we will be talking about conducting one-on-one staff meetings. That would be a very good time to address employees that might be coming across distracted, as well as giving feedback. If you are in the habit of giving regular feedback to your employees, which I, again, I'm going to refer to a future podcast on, on giving feedback, then it may be important to give feedback and say, look, Samantha, I just noticed recently when we conduct in our work that you seem to be slightly distracted. Is this something that you may agree with? Can we talk about it and so forth? So we'll look at that, but that is something else to keep an eye out for. Number four would be a, what I would call the complainer or potentially a victim or a complainer. This is the employee who blames others all the time. For example, if they're working on a project and it's not completed on time, it's always the other person's fault. I always would have done it better if it wasn't for the other person. There were better systems in the office. Maybe if they're more direct and say, if you had managed me more and given me better feedback, it's always everybody else's fault. It's never my fault. And so that's definitely one that you would like to watch out for when it comes to difficult employee behaviors. Number five is the employee that wants control. This employee will take over every single project. However, will not be able to deliver anything far superior to what anybody else could deliver. This is the employee that wants to control everything and their, I guess, self-importance or their, their observation of their own ability is probably a lot higher than what they're actually capable of doing. And it's not so much that they want to do a high level of work, but they just want to be in control. And I would definitely watch out for this type of employee. Again, we will do actual podcasts. And speaking of future podcasts, we're actually going to split a lot of these behaviors that we're talking about now into their own podcasts. So we can really get to the meat and potatoes and really address these. And this is a really good overview. And what we will do moving forward is we'll be able to reference behaviors to future podcasts and how to deal specifically with these type of bad employee behaviors. I guess number six would be finally the socializer. And this is the employee is usually friendly and likes to chat with everyone. However, depends on others to do their work. For some reason, everybody loves this type of employee. And even you as a manager, you might think to yourself, I really like this employee. John is a very sociable individual. I love hanging out with John. I guess if we're doing work drinks or at the work Christmas party or end of year party and so forth. However, you need to watch out for this type of behavior, the socializer behavior, because this employee, although everybody likes this type of employee and this employee is really great when it comes to engagement, is their actual work suffering. So again, those are the six examples of difficult employee behaviors. What I'd like you to be able to do is think about your own role as a manager. Do you recognize any of these behaviors? Do I need to actually do something about them? Okay, the cost of negative employee behaviors. 
Okay, there's always going to be a cost to some to, to negative behaviors. And there are three costs. There isn't a cost to the employee. If an employee has negative behaviors and they're not addressed and they're not given the opportunity to correct these behaviors, then what you'll find is the employee is limiting their ability for promotion and uh, a possibly collaboration and informal networking opportunities and just really minimizing their ability to shine. So there is definitely a cost to the employee. There's also in cost to the employer. And when I say employer, I guess I'm referring to you as the manager and the organization as a whole. Now, clearly you as the manager, it's going to make your life more difficult in cost and your time is money and, and value and so forth. And if you're more stressed because of difficult behaviors, that's going to play a cost in itself. There's definitely going to take a toll. And then there's a cost to the organization and that is in productivity and output and the inference of negative workplace culture. So there's definitely a cost. There's definitely a reason to address these types of behaviors. I've got a, a few here that I would like to share with you. Again, increased stress in employees. So a supportive workplace that is well managed can help lower the stress of staff. And uh, according to Safe Work Australia, psychological injuries, which are work-related mental health conditions, have grown to be a major concern in Australian workplaces due to the negative impact on individual employees and the cost of workplace-related stress. So again, annually, the number of Australians compensated for work-related mental health conditions equates to about 6% of workers' compensation claims. It's approximately what the stats show, $543 million paid in work, workers' compensation for work-related mental health conditions each year. That's huge. That is a huge figure. So you can see even through the statistics that increased employee stress is an issue. Productivity level is lowered. So when problem behavior is ignored by the manager, it then causes staff to, to take it upon themselves to try and solve problems instead of focusing on the tasks they are set to complete. And so negative employees also in, in, enhance staff absences. So handling colleagues who can be difficult to deal with on a consistent basis can increase the rate of unexplained absences in the workplace. And when we talk about employee engagement, <laughs> I love, again, another podcast on enhanced employee engagement, which is coming up. So I hope you definitely stay tuned within the middle management podcast. But employee absences, if you start to see employees not turning up for work on a regular basis, they're taking sick days or personal days. And as a manager, you notice this pattern, you might say there's potentially something uh, going on here. As well as staff replacement, productivity is lessened when one staff member believes that a new employee is hired and onboarded. There's always going to be a cost to have to replace in staff. Clearly, the old staff member that leaves, if they had uh, specific skills within your current workplace and they understand the systems and how things work, that's lost. And there's the time it takes and the cost it takes to find and hire new employees and then to onboard them and get them up to speed. And then are they going to fit in with the workplace culture? Staff replacement is a high cost, which needs to be reduced. And finally, also, if you have negative behaviors, that can impact on your customers. Okay. Your brand can be tarnished. If you have negative employee behaviors and these are witnessed by customers, both where customers might actually see unhappy or negative employees or as well as mistakes being made in regards to customers, that can actually tarnish the brand as an organization as a whole. So there's definitely a cost in that. And if I have to re-emphasize that it's important that you address and manage difficult employee behaviors, there is a handful of reasons there. Managing your difficult team members. Again, I'm going to give you a list. I'm going to give you five management recommendations that you can utilize to prevent issues from forming. 
And these are powerful strategies, and these are definitely ones that are recommended on a regular, consistent basis during our workshops and, and courses and, and virtual training and so forth. So number one is to hold regular, consistent meetings with staff members, the one-on-one. As a manager, leadership skills are essential to ensure that the entire team works well together. And being a successful communicator, including having effective listening skills is essential. You are to utilize these effective communication skills not just in the way that you listen and, and the way that you communicate on an interpersonal level, but the amount of time that you actually spend with your staff members. And so what we recommend at Aptitude Management is to hold regular one-on-one meetings with staff members. There are so many benefits, much more, many more benefits that I don't want to go into this particular podcast because I'll be here for too long and we like to give you short, sharp information, but there are so many benefits that can ensure from having regular one-on-one staff meetings. And just having those staff meetings gives you the opportunity to build rapport and trust with your employees, as well as giving you the opportunity to address difficult and challenging behaviors, as mentioned above. And think about this as well. If you have regular meetings with your employees and you get on very well with your employees, and then you'll notice specific behaviors, do you think it might be a little bit easier to address behaviors if you have a good rapport with your staff members? I would say yes. Number two is motivating staff. So assessing direct measures of intrinsic motivation and engagement is likely to produce valuable results. So as a manager, it is valuable to know what motivates the talent hired, how to use various rewards of motivation. So when it comes to motivation, we have what we call intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. And intrinsic motivation is fairly universal in in the Western world. We're all held motivated by specific needs and things like having a higher purpose, job satisfaction, knowing that we are appreciated as employees and having fun and enjoyment in the work that we do. But when it comes to motivating staff on a more independent level, some of us are motivated by actual money. So financial reward. If I know that I do a good job and I get a financial compensation here, then I'm able to go and do the things that I want to do in my personal life and that might motivate me. Others, not so much. Some individuals are more motivated by recognition. If I just know that I am recognized for the work that I do and my boss occasionally comes to me and says, look, you've just done a fantastic job with this particular client and we are just so proud of you here. We're just so happy to have you as part of the team. That might be very motivating for individual team members. Others of it might be to do with some form of promotion or, or more responsibilities or even some kind of learning. We're a corporate training organization and we have a lot of attendees attend our workshops and they tell us that this training, this is a reward for them. They get to develop on a professional level because they're doing such a great job. So that's very common as well. When it comes to staff motivation, the extrinsic motivation, what motivates us externally, you as a manager, you should be quite intimate with your team members in knowing what it is that motivates them so that you can pull those triggers. You can utilize those mechanisms to be able to motivate them on an individual level. Strong teamwork, building a strong team. So when building a strong team, all members of the team should be heard and roles established for contribution on any particular projects that you might be working on or if the team is an ongoing team. So each team member must know exactly what their role entails. What are their targets? What are their limits? What are their boundaries? What resources and help do they have access to? What does the manager expect of them again? And are they safe? 
in the team, when we're working with other people, do I feel comfortable to share my ideas? Do I feel comfortable to, I guess, let my manager or even the team know that I made a mistake on a particular area and that they will support me on that mistake and not punish me? So building strong team collaboration. When I talk about all these different types of things, you think, wow, a manager's role is a lot more vast than is given credit for. And it's true. When individuals get promoted to, to supervisory, frontline slash mid-management roles and they are trying to become a better manager. There's a whole lot of different skill sets and one of them is the ability to build strong teams. Luckily, there's plenty of resources out there that will help managers in team building. It's a very important part of being a successful leader. Conflict management. So again, referenced in podcast two, the ability to manage conflict is extremely important. When it comes to managing conflict, there are two types of conflict that you're going to be managing. You're going to be managing conflict between you and the actual staff member. So you and the other person, are you good at managing conflict when you're in direct conflict or managing conflict that might be occurring between third parties? So between two of your team members, they might be having conflict and you as a manager, your role is to come in and manage that conflict. The worst thing that you can do when it comes to conflict management is to not manage the conflict at all, to not address it at all. And you get that a lot. A lot of managers say, look, there's conflict going on. I'm conflict diverse. I don't like conflict. I don't want to deal with conflict that are happening between two team members or even worse. I don't want to manage the conflict that I'm currently in. And unfortunately, that is not an option when it comes to management. You need to be able to manage conflict. And there are very good resources out there on conflict management. And we are going to be doing podcasts on conflict management. Conducting effective performance appraisals. Now, this is an interesting one. Between who you're talking to, everybody conducts performance appraisals, don't they? Well, actually, there's many different schools of thought. Number one, we come across managers who've been in management for quite a period of time and they've never actually conducted a performance appraisal. Generally, you'll find that with smaller organizations, but it's common. We've never conducted a performance appraisal. I don't even know where to start with that. Then we have other attendees who attend workshops who will tell us that their organization does conduct performance appraisals, but they don't really believe in them. And if you look at the literature out there, do we conduct a performance appraisals? Are they actually effective? Are there other ways that we can deal with employees? So again, there's no one size fits all solution. I guess the most important thing why I've listed effective performance appraisals is because giving your employees some form of feedback through some formal mechanism so that they can have an idea of where they stand with you as their manager and that you are managing any difficult behaviors. Part of managing difficult behaviors is preventing them from occurring in the first place, perhaps during the performance appraisal, if the employee is trying really hard to get some kind of a promotion or some kind of a recognition, whether it be financial, however that might look. So the performance appraisal might be able to communicate that. Look, ultimately effective managers need to have the skills and knowledge to prevent issues and challenging behaviors from occurring. However, once these difficult behaviors manifest, they should be addressed promptly and appropriately. Reasons that might prevent a manager from doing this could be the fear of having difficult conversations with employees. It's extremely common if you're a manager, as I said before, who is conflict averse. Then for you to both recognize a difficult behavior and then to address that behavior, that can be a challenge in itself. And this is where you might need some more support and more training. In addition, not employing the most effective conflict negotiation skills at the appropriate time can also cause an initially manageable issue to get out of hand and lead to more unnecessary stress on many different individuals. So the reality is that 
difficult employee behaviors, those behaviors are there. And whether you address them or not, doesn't make them disappear. And nine out of 10 times, if there are difficult behaviors there, they're going to get worse. And this is when you find a manager who is very overwhelmed with not only the role, but all the challenging behaviors that the staff members are exhibiting. So we want to try and avoid that. Thank you for listening today. Your host was Colin Dubb. The content shared is a small example of what we cover in our management courses. Aptitude Management offers both in-person and online courses for individuals or organizations who need team training. Furthermore, all Aptitude courses are conducted through our program framework consisting of workshop booking consultation, trainer-led skills gap analysis, tailored participant training plan, and post-workshop coaching. If you are interested in finding out more, please visit the Aptitude Management website at www.aptitudemanagement.com.au. Stay tuned for our next episode.